0: Once again, come off a race that should have been exciting and thrilling and just kind of happened.
1: Well, there were moments in the penultimate race in the Formula One season. There were a few moments, but you know, I think overall, much like
0: Suzuka, which has this grand history of throwing some incredible races together, so does Brazil. And this year, just like in Suzuka, there
1: wasn't much. This has been the year, if I can make a broad generalization, of races that should have been exciting that weren't, and races that shouldn't have been exciting that were.
0: Yeah, probably. That, that's that, that's going to sum
1: up the 2015 season. Yeah. So... um. The things that we did not see in Brazil that were expected? Rain.
0: Well, there was rain. There was also... No, there was a lack of rain. there was was a lack of rain. You're right. I I was going with affirming the things that we did not see. Other things that we did not see, that would be Lewis Hamilton at the post-qualifying top three image
1: really has superstar lewis hamilton decided that he is too big to show up at the image if he is not in poll well
0: basically what he had to say was that well i've won most polls this year and the world championship so there's really nothing to read into it that that's what he had to say about not showing up
1: i think he's still recovering from his fever
0: I think it's more along the lines of, again, he's he's done with the season. And, you know, he's mad at, at Rosberg now because all of a sudden Rosberg has found pace. Either Rosberg has found pace or, to go along with his other allegation, the team has now decided to start favoring Rosberg since Lewis has won his championship.
1: You know, I don't think that that's really what's going on. I have a theory. Okay. I think that Rosberg does not perform well under pressure. Wait, hear me out. We know that throughout the 2014 season and the beginning part of the 2015 season, when in head-to-head competition with Lewis, he almost always backed down, screwed up, made a mistake. Lewis could pressure him into a mistake pretty regularly. I think that the difference that is now, that is not then, is that the championship is over. That there is no push to keep going. It He can relax. He is doing what Jackie Stewart was hoping Lewis would find, which was relax and find your pace. I don't know. You can disagree with me. I, I'm yeah. right, but you could disagree with me.
0: Okay. <laughs> Obvi- by that comment, obviously you have spent way too much time on Facebook this past week because there is a whole lot of the – with all the various oh rhetoric for everything that's been going on, there has been a whole lot of the I'm right and you can debate me and then I'll just block you. But yeah.
1: You know, it's – the only thing I'm going to say about Facebook and the I will argue with you but I am right mm-hmm. theory is don't waste your time. <laughs> Seriously, there are bigger time sucks in this world that actually have productivity than arguing on Facebook.
0: So, anyway, back to the topic at hand. Th- there has been talk that really the only thing that Nico appears to have improved in his own style is his breaking heading into passes, <laughs> that he is breaking later and he is breaking cleaner than he has done in the past. One of the other things that's been kind of interesting is that since Singapore, and as you'll recall, Singapore was not a great race for them. Singapore was where there was a change in the tire pressures. Mm-hmm. But since Singapore, Lewis has not grabbed a pole. Hmm. And Lewis has come out and said that, you know, since Singapore, something has changed in the car, and I don't know what it is. So could it be that the change in tire pressures favors Nico and Nico's style of driving as opposed to Lewis and Lewis's style of driving? And Lewis has not been able to come to grips with it, and it's, it's a small amount of, of pressure, but could it be... That be the issue there is how they work the tires.
1: Well, it could be, but up until, well, let's see, Austin, he won. Mexico, he lost. Mm -hmm. Um, Up until that point, Lewis was still pulling out the win on race day.
0: He was, but a lot of that was because Nico was not running cleanly or Nico would have a crappy start or with the – from – about Mexico onward, Nico seems to have eradicated those demons that were just enough of a slip up to let Lewis get by.
1: See, and I think that the difference of those demons is the fact that he's not fighting Lewis anymore. I don't know. I think Lewis is a master at getting into Nico's head.
0: Absolutely. Oh, there, there's no doubt about that.
1: And I think that that is what. Nico overthinks his starts or he's having breaking issues or he has whatever is those demons that you talk about. Mm -hmm. Those demons have a name. It's Lewis. And when Lewis backs off of the pressure on Nico because, hello, he's got the championship tied up, Nico is now free to actually perform.
0: Well, you know, now we finally hear Nico stop worrying about where everybody else is on track nico is focusing on nico and you know when the the engineers go and start radioing him the gap he comes back and goes stop talking to me about this yeah
1: you know he becomes very Kimmy like
0: yes now lewis is still upset over strategies yes given everything that has happened in well i shouldn't say given everything it's not the way to announce this um Lewis struggled and made it clear that he was. He fought to try and get past Nico, but struggled to stay behind him. And this is a product of the design of the cars and the aerodynamics, and it's hard to do that. He radioed back at one point because his only option at this point was to try and undercut. So he radioed the team and asked to change strategies, and the team told him no. Okay. There's a lot of debate as to what would have made better sense here to leave the, the cars on the same strategy or to try and split the strategy and give Lewis a chance to try something else. Total Wolf has come out and said that, you know what while we're letting the drivers race and, and, and we're letting them go at it, we have the data. We we see all the various factors of how everything is performing. We see we have the results of all the simulations and all of this stuff. We have the data that the driver doesn't have. And as much as the driver may want to go, we can make better decisions than a driver going with their gut.
1: But that's in direct contrast to what Bernie and all of well Eddie Jordan and mm-hmm. other pundits about the sport want, which is from... Green flag to checkered flag, well, from lights out to checkered flag, they want the drivers to make all the decisions. Mm -hmm. That is in stark contrast.
0: And I think there needs to be some kind of a balance. There's been a lot of debate about that, though, of, you know, was Lewis right to make that call? Was he right to push them on this? I don't know.
1: You know, I've thought about this a lot. I know you're going to be shocked by this, but... Somewhere about 2 o'clock in the morning, I start thinking about these things.
0: Because you can't sleep. Right. Okay.
1: And I think that, you know, Lewis Hamilton's tire strategy is exactly what I need to think about to put me to sleep at 2 o'clock in the morning. Here's my thought.
0: Okay.
1: I think Mercedes' primary goal is to get both of those cars home, preferably in a one-two spot. Absolutely. They are not going to allow those boys to race Anywhere that would jeopardize that. Mm -hmm. Given that they have they decided that the risk was too great to split the strategies because they already had the one two, and instead of truly letting the boys race, they're letting the boys get to one two and holding. Yes, I'm glad that all of my hours at two o'clock in the morning have gotten agreement with you it, it,
0: it's, it's pretty clear that that's exactly what their goal is as long as they get to one two especially at this point that's all Mercedes is interested in they're not looking to, pre- to preserve anybody's position anywhere Nico turned around with either his first or his second pretty much sealed him getting second place in the driver's championship there, there's There's no need for Mercedes to push harder than that at that point and to do anything other than make sure the cars are up at the front so it looks good for the sponsors and everything
1: else. So that leads me to my theory. Okay. Part duh. Duh? Duh. 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 No. (laughs) Duh. Here's my thought. Mercedes says they have the simulations, they have the data, they know what they're dealing with. They also know the minds of their drivers. Mm -hmm. So what would would you think it is plausible that given the crappy week that Lewis had coming into Brazil and the fact that he showed up 24 hours late because he was dealing with fever, I'm wondering if that is not some general level of punishment maybe um that we're not going to let you we're not going to take the risk that you would overtake the driver that did what he was supposed to do this week kind of like benching somebody for not showing up to practice with the corollary to that being that they have all the data they know their drivers really well they know lewis can be a little bit of a loose cannon and if they split the strategies and allowed Lewis the opportunity to push a bit harder, would they? Would their simulations be showing that the greater risk would be that the two would take them each other out?
0: No, actually the, the bigger concern was Vettel and the Ferrari mm. and the pace that he was showing and being able to, while he couldn't necessarily close with Lewis, he was pretty dang close. And the concern was bringing Lewis in, would have turned around and given Vettel a chance to, to close. There's there. So, but David Cothard, in his post-race column, uh, yeah, he agrees 100% that Mercedes is, is just going at this point and trying to keep the one-two. Mm-hmm. But based on the fact that coming up to Abu Dhabi, there is nothing on the line. At all for Mercedes. One way or the other, there's nothing on the line. The drivers want to turn around and say that they know better and they want to dictate strategy and the garage wants to turn around and dictate strategy and whatever. Turn around and tell both sides of the garage, Lewis's side and Nico's side, gloves are off, go race. There is no data sharing between the two of you. You guys call your strategies how you want to call your strategies there's no risk either way the only thing is do not turn around and destroy the cars and do not kill yourselves beyond that go forth and race
1: that would be and an what
0: happens happens aw-
1: that would be awesome because that would give a race which basically has no point in existing at this point because the top 3 slots of The championship, the constructors and the two driver championships Mm -hmm. have all been clinched by Mercedes.
0: Yeah, but if you're a team like McLaren or a team like Lotus, you know, somebody who's still dicing to get those final points and those final dollars, these races mean a lot.
1: Well, okay, yes. Down the pack, those races mean a Mm -hmm. lot. Um, I don't think that McLaren could even come in eighth if it tried. I don't think so. I think that they would have to win to come in eighth. I don't know. I'd have to look. Because they have like 27 points in the championship. Yeah. But I think Lotus and Force India are trying to beat each other out right now.
0: I I think they're still Dyson for that final spot.
1: But, yeah, I get that part. But I think you're right. I think that would be really cool if we got to have a gloves-off Mercedes versus Mercedes battle. And... Truly, that'd be awesome for their sponsors because they'd probably get a lot of airtime.
0: In theory, they should. Well, especially if they end up with that gloves-off battle not being at the front. Yeah. And they're trying to dice it up further back. And especially because this race that we're going into is one of those races that isn't necessarily known for being thrilling and isn't necessarily known for being a heavy passing and heavy overtaking track.
1: So then by definition,
0: do something to mix it up.
1: If we keep in the theme of the year, the tracks, the races that should have been exciting weren't and the races that shouldn't have been exciting were, this I know should what, have should be something I know great. what should happen. Manor to keep it should
0: interesting and, and keep everything on their toes and being that this is the last race of the season, Mercedes should run their qualifying on the Inters and the Wets only. in the desert. (laughs) And then where they end up, then they get to use the real tires for the race.
1: Hmm. Why don't you just start them from the pit lane? Could do that. No, put them at
0: the back of the grid, you know.
1: Mixing it up with manor? Yeah. Interesting. That's not, you know.
0: Is it any different than... Jensen and Fernando running up to the podium in, uh, in Brazil because it was the only opportunity they were going to ever get to this season.
1: Hey, you got to seize your chances.
0: So the other big result would be Felipe Massa. Poor Massa. Being excluded. Well, his results being excluded from the race. Yes. Poor Massa. So what happened was that um, on the grid the tire temperature or, or the tread temperature and minimum tire starting pressure of the right hand side rear tire was checked on the car after the five minute signal was given and this is coming from the stewards the temperature measured on the tread of the right hand side tire of car number 19 that would be fully based car was 137 degrees celsius. That number was 27 degrees celsius above the minimum tread temperature of 110 degrees allowed by the official tire supplier. The corresponding tire pressure at 137 degrees celsius was 20.6 pounds per square inch or one-tenth of a pound per square inch above the minimum starting pressure and for that the car was excluded.
1: Okay, but how do they marry that problem compared to the Lewis problem earlier in the year? Remember, Strat Mode 3, hammer down, don't Mm -hmm. ask questions. And Lewis wasn't excluded from the race.
0: My understanding, though, was that the difference there was it was a tire pressure issue that they had not completely validated and verified who measures what, when, and all of those pieces. After that, they turned around and said, oh, yeah, we we got to be a little more specific. But the other thing was that I don't think there was an issue with the heat coming off. The I don't think there was an issue with the tire temperature. It was just the pressure. In this case, it was an issue with both the temperature and the pressure. So there's a lot of theory as to how the temperature could be off so i mean we're talking 20 degrees that's a
1: lot it is a lot but what advantage do you have in having temperature off by 20 degrees and tire pressure off like that in one tire
0: well the idea is um the lower the pressure the the tire pressure the more traction they get correct so and Gary Anderson explains this perfectly. Okay, so explain it. I've got his whole thing here. Um, you got to look at how both the temperature and the pressure are linked. And he says, to roughly explain how this works, 10 degrees centigrade of tire temperature equals about 1 pound per square inch. So if the tires were at 137 degrees, you'd expect a pressure of 23.5 pounds per square inch. So... If there was, if they weren't trying to run the tire at a lower pressure, or yeah, if they weren't expecting, if they weren't trying to run the tire at a lower pressure, and the tire blanket was too hot, what we should have seen was that that uh, the pressure within the tire was at twenty three point five. However, it was lower. That tire pressure was at twenty point six.
1: So what they're saying is that the boffins did the maths and said if your blanket had been the right pressure, your tire would have been this much. Right. If your blanket had been the right temperature, your tire pressure would have been X. And X was way lower than what it should have
0: been. Right. If your temperature was right, you should have been up at 23.5 pounds per square inch. The The... Pressure you were supposed to be at following the manufacturer's guidelines, however, was 20.7, which put them one-tenth below the guidelines. So even though the tire was too hot, the pressure was lower than it was supposed to be. So he rules that – or he feels that because of that, that mismatch there, this was not necessarily a blanket malfunction. Because as or he puts solely it, a, blanket uh, solely a, a blanket malfunction, as he puts it, heating the tires up to a high temperature will definitely not do it any good structurally or help compound grip. But on the circuit, when the tire cools down to about an average of 100 degrees, the pressure will be, redu- will be reduced to about 17 pounds per square inch. This would definitely give better traction and consistency with less likelihood of overheating and rear tire degradation.
1: But again, I go back to, it was still just one tire.
0: We know that it was that on the tire that they checked. We don't know if they checked all the tires.
1: Oh, I thought they had checked all the tires and it was one tire, thus one malfunctioning blanket.
0: My understanding is they only checked the one. Yeah. The minimum tire starting pressure of the right-hand side rear tire was checked on car number 19 after the five-minute signal was given. So it's not clear that they checked all of them, but they definitely checked the right rear tire and the temperature was too high with the pressure being too low. Got it. Now.
1: So Masa had a rough race mm -hmm. in his home Grand Prix Mm -hmm. at a track he typically does very well at. Yes. And despite that, he still is excluded from... The results. Yeah. Wow, that boy couldn't buy a break was, if he tried. Yeah,
0: it was just a crummy weekend. Now, Williams came out and said that, you know, these the these results, these temperatures that, that they found, they had their own independent testing that they did with Pirelli and their own temp- three different temperature checks, and they were all in line, and they initially appealed. Okay. Which makes sense. Oh, yeah. However, towards the end of the week, they dropped their appeal.
1: Oh, did somebody point out that their thermometer wasn't working?
0: Well, the stated reason that Williams gave is they gave two reasons. One is that, A, these things cost a lot of money to, to go through this whole appeals process, but also that the hearing wouldn't happen because of where we were in the season. The hearing wouldn't occur until after the season ended which meant they would have had to devote time and resources that they would instead of, that, that they would have actually had dedicated to the 2016 car to this appeal on the 2015 car and that they didn't see much benefit in. The other piece of that is that even with Massa being excluded it would not have ch- it would not change their position in the constructors' championship. So, at that point, it became kind of a moot point to even bother to pursue this any further.
1: At that point, you're just pursuing it for honor. You're not pursuing it because advantage is going to be gained.
0: So, they dropped their challenge, their appeal, based on both of those grounds. Reasonable. So, the other thing that we expected to happen. Is we expected to finally see Red Bull's big bad or, or Renault's big bad engine upgrade?
1: Well, it they, was a bad engine upgrade, wasn't it?
0: Well, they they requested to use for this upgrade eleven out of twelve tokens. This was going to be a big deal. And then Daniel Ricciardo went out there, and the car performed as bad, if not worse, than it has all season what it turns out is that despite asking to use 11 of the 12 tokens they only use seven
1: that seems odd
0: it does um instead of going and focusing on the entire engine and and all of the developments all they did was just focus on the internal combustion engine. They didn't look at the turbocharger. That was four tokens right there. They didn't look at any of the energy recovery or any of the other things. They just focused on the internal combustion part of the engine. Hmm. Yeah. Renault has yet to decide whether it will offer... Uh, the fully upgraded engine with the turbocharger uh, in Abu Dhabi, as Red Bull would again have to consider whether the change is worth the grid panel that, w- that would result. Um, Renault claims that the reason why they couldn't do this was that due to part availability and compatibility with the exhaust system, it wasn't possible to introduce that element of the upgrade in Brazil.
1: So what are they doing? Designing the engine for next year? I don't know. I mean, why would you be designing something that doesn't work with your exhaust system if you're not designing it for something else? Why are are all these bits not there? Yeah. And are they going to redo the exhaust system as part of the 2016 car, and that's what they're doing?
0: Well, you got to assume that some degree of the exhaust system is going to get redesigned.
1: Well, yeah, that typically does.
0: Well since we don't have a exact confirmation on what power unit Renault is going to be running the exhaust Red system's got to get or, or Red Bull going to be running the exhaust system has to get redesigned somehow to accommodate whatever it is they put in the back of that car
1: but no what i'm wonder- wondering is Renault knows where the exhaust port is on the current Red Bull car correct yeah so why would you design a change to an engine that would require a move in an exhaust it,
0: connection? It may not necessarily be a move. It may be a size thing. If they're cha- you know, But by changing the turbo, it may be that the exhaust coming off the engine in the turbo, that inlet now needs to be, or, or that outlet needs to be a different size than what the exhaust system is currently set up to accept. Because of the design and structure of the turbo.
1: Possibly. The, Bigger
0: mouths and such.
1: Possibly the size of the exhaust for the 2016 car. Potentially. As I sit here with my conspiracy theory that we're going to see a Red Bull running a Renault badged or unbadged next year.
0: I think a lot of people think that at this point. Because remember, it, it's sorted according to Bernie. <laughs> Nobody knows what it is, but it's sorted.
1: Sorted is sorted.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Red Bull. Yes. To, we know Red Bull brings a lot of money into the sport, and they spend a lot of money in Formula One. We have an idea of how much Red Bull spent on the 2014 season. Care to hazard a guess?
1: Um, I'm going to say more than...
0: million. $310 million.
1: And they don't make an engine.
0: Now, by comparison, Marusha's budget this year is estimated to be at $60 million.
1: So if we're wondering why Marusha is always at the back of the grid... It doesn't take an economics major to realize that if you are spending one-fifth of the budget of a world championship team, you're not going to be very far up in competing with
0: them. Now, also keep in mind that this number, that's just the money that the team spent. It doesn't take into account the prize money or the sponsorship money. So let let me throw these figures out there as well. If you add in the the sponsorship and prize money, you're looking at upwards of $450 million. Ferrari, on the other hand, their team ran at $440 million with Mercedes, who took the championship at $320 million. $320 million and they dominated the championship.
1: Well, that's what you get when you get something right.
0: Now... Of Red Bull's own $310 million expenditure, the largest portion, which works out to about $120 million, was spent on research and development. Because, you know, developing a car doesn't come cheap. The next largest category was payroll, which accounted for nearly $100 million. Um, and the team hired 19 new staff members last year, which brought its headcount up to 694
1: Boy, would I like a calculator right now.
0: Christian Horner is said to have made nearly $4 million, although we don't know how much Adrian Newey made, but I'm betting that his salary was probably pretty close to that too. Um, the team paid its drivers very little. Daniel Ricciardo, well, comparatively little. Daniel Ricciardo, his salary was just $1.6 million last year, with Daniel Kvyat getting half of that. Wow. Um, Ferrari lured... Vettel away, with a contract said to be worth $80 million a year. And a car. Yeah. Now, the team was entitled to a large portion of the sports revenues. That gave them about $100 million to their budget. And let's see. We know Infinity contributed significantly to their budget. We don't know how much. Uh, but they're going to lose some, money, some prize money this year. Because they obviously haven't performed as well this year.
1: They spend like the world champions, and they're going to come in, what is it, fourth or fifth? Yeah. Yeah.
0: They're going to come in behind Williams this year.
1: And if you're wondering why Helmet Marco is upset, that would be it.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Red Bull. Yes. You know, there's been a lot of, as much as silly season was kind of a bust this year, wasn't a lot of driver movement, two names that have popped up quite a bit, and one of which still pops up quite a bit, is Daniel Ricciardo and Max Verstappen. Well, Christian Horner has come out and said, um, if you're sniffing around and you're interested in them, um, they're talking to the wrong people, because both of those drivers are looking at long-term contracts right now now granted in f1 a contract is only as good as oh the amount of money somebody else will pay to buy you out of said contract but
1: and it's only as good as long as your team is there well yeah and they've been saying most of this season
0: we're leaving we're leaving, we're leaving. we
1: may pick up our toys and go home
0: Yet, Ricardo's on a four-year contract, which will take him through to the end of 2018. Verstappen is under contract until the end of 2017. Now, there are rumors that Ferrari is looking—well, it's probably not really a rumor. It's probably true that Ferrari is looking for somebody to take the place of Kimi Raikkonen, whether it's next season or whether it's the following season— but the rumor is that Ricardo is the number one choice, but they're concerned signing him would be disruptive to uh, Sebastian Vettel because, you know, obviously Daniel Ricardo beat him rather soundly when they were teammates. Correct. Um, so it's believed that for that reason they may be more likely to go after Verstappen. But we also know that uh, Toto Wolff is somewhat interested in Verstappen. There's a lot of other teams who are interested in a driver who performs as well as, well, I guess his new nickname is Mad Max.
1: Well, the thing is, (laughs) Max is only 18 years old. If you drive this well at 18, what happens when you put four years worth of maturity on you?
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean... But then again, four years worth of maturity could mean that he's not quite as daring in some of his passing maneuvers. Maybe he decides that he's no longer going to try to pass people on the outside of a flat-out corner.
1: <laughs> he pulled it off
0: twice, I think? Um, well, he's pulled it, pulled off passes on the outside multiple times, but I think Spa and... I, I think it was Blanchemont where he did it which was on the outside of a corner that people normally take flat out.
1: But he was passing at Brazil. He was. On another one of those outside odd corners that nobody gets gets around, and, well, Max just got around. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Now, we also know, not only is um, Christian Horner saying that Max is under a contract at least until 2017 but as long as Toro Rosso stays around both Max and Carlos Sainz are sure to have a seat next year.
1: Don't you feel a little sorry for Carlos Sainz?
0: He is really upset actually. He is. He's extremely upset because when it comes to the reliability issues in that team his car seems to be having more of them than Max's and it a lot of his DNFs, the majority of his DNFs, have been due to reliability issues. He's getting fed up over
1: it. I don't blame him. I don't blame him for getting fed up over it. But he's also so outshadowed by his teammate, which is really sad because Carlos is a really good driver in his own right. He is.
0: So, we'll see what happens there. Because we can't get an episode without talking about your favorite thing. Arg. it's gonna be quick though i promise all right i'm timing you honda has come out and said the ship has sailed it is too late we can't give red bull engines next year
1: i thought we already knew that honda turned them down.
0: i was a little surprised that honda came out and said this and my my best guess is that they didn't want to admit that ron dennis had veto power so now they're just going to turn around and say nope sorry it's too late we can't make engines for you you're out of luck uh, it's, it,
1: it's too late because ron told us it was too late
0: yeah i i, I thought this was the, the timing of the, these comments were a little odd
1: just remember red bull doesn't have to worry about an engine bernie said it was short, sorted yeah so that's done.
0: hey on the topic of McLaren. Okay. This past week, McLaren got some really, really bad news. Tag Heuer, who has been associated with McLaren for 30 years, has announced that they are dropping McLaren their sponsorship with McLaren and shifting to Red Bull.
1: Oh, Red Bull, who they're not sure is going to be a team next year?
0: Yeah. Okay. Some of this kind of throws in the question of, well, Red Bull already has a watch sponsor. Red Bull's already got Casio as a sponsor. So what happens to
1: Casio? They sponsor Toro Rosso.
0: I don't know. So what the, the reason for the change, according to Tag Hoyer is that Red Bull is a young, dynamic go-getter, perfectly consistent with the Tag Hoyer strategy. All that McLaren had to say? McLaren's partnership with Tag Heuer has been one of the most successful and enduring sponsorships in sporting history. It has lasted 30 years, during which time both parties have achieved enormous success together. But apparently, McLaren just is not Young Dynamic or the go-getter anymore.
1: And we could tell that by the fact that they're you know battling it out for ninth place. Yeah.
0: That's got to be pain. Well... Just looking at McLaren's car and the number of sponsors that they have right now, that's got to be painful. Hurt. And you got to kind of wonder as to if they can't turn something around next year and they cannot move it up the grid, how this plays out to the health of the team.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you've got to wonder how well they can continue to, con- to contribute if they can't sort out the what's bogging them down. Mm-hmm. And they will. They will. I know they will. I have confidence in them.
0: You can only hope. Otherwise, there may not be a McLaren for much longer.
1: I have confidence in them.
0: Okay. So we got a follow-up to last week's story about Texas. Oh. It's not good news. What we have found out is that the organizers for the U.S. Grand Prix have not paid the excuse me have not paid the hosting fee for the race yet. Now Bernie does say that he is going to give the group more time to cope with a decrease in the state's financial support. He acknowledges that the state promised the track this money, and the track is entitled to the money, even though the state has turned around and decided, ah, oh, we're not going to pay. Mm. So, I don't know how this is going to play out.
1: I really hope that it doesn't see the decline so fast
0: along the same lines with money. And this one, you know, most of the folks in America, at first glance, their their reactions will be like, "Yeah, so what? We don't get this. This isn't This is a big deal to us because this is how we get our Formula 1 coverage. This is how we get good Formula 1 coverage. <laughs> The BBC has announced that they are looking to cut 150 million pounds from its sports coverage, from that budget. The two sports that seem to be leading the list of taking the brunt of that coverage is going to be darts, woohoo, and Formula One.
1: One of these things is not like the other.
0: Well, in England, though, darts gets a lot of coverage. It's a big deal. Yeah. You you need to. When we were watching the Sky coverage a couple of weeks ago, we fast forwarded through the commercials, Mm -hmm. but the commercials for the big darts night show or whatever it's called, but they have this big, huge darts show. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. I mean, this was like American Idol type of spectacle from the previews here. The big, huge stadium studio audience losing their minds over the various darts stuff. Darts is a big deal in England. It is.
1: I'm not arguing that darts is a big deal. I'm possibly arguing that it's not as exciting as F1.
0: Most definitely isn't. But... The other piece of that, though, and the BBC's got to be kind of aware if if they're looking at this shortfall, is basically what the BBC is providing is very in-depth, very detailed, free-to-air coverage of a sport that is already getting duplicate coverage through another channel within their country. Mm -hmm. And what's the benefit to the BBC for doing that? There is talk that what the BBC could consider doing is going to basically a two-hour highlight package um, with basically a commentator in a studio and one person trackside. Sound familiar?
1: (laughs) And it works out so well for NBC Sports.
0: But why this should matter to Americans? Because this should matter. Well, why this should matter to formula one fans in general because this should matter is because the bbc's coverage is one of if not the only remaining free to air formula one coverages in the world Mm -hmm. nbc only puts four was it three races or four races this year free to air on their coverage right But outside of that, most of the other nations have already gone and put their stuff up through cable subscription services of some sort or another. And as a result of those moves behind a paywall, in most of those countries, there has been a decline in viewership.
1: And ultimately, a decline in viewership will lead to a decline in attendance as people become less interested in Formula One as a form of entertainment.
0: And that's something that FOM needs to be thinking about.
1: And let me guess, and I'm going to, I'm just pulling this one out of the air. This does not bother or worry FOM or Bernie at all. Well, actually, not quite. What
0: I don't understand is why these quotes are coming out now. Because apparently back in August, somebody had spoken to Bernie about this. And Bernie came out and said in August, and I don't remember seeing this. I don't know where this has come from, but a lot of people are carrying these quotes. He said, I hope they continue. Wait for this next statement. Because I did a spit
1: take when I saw it.
0: He said, I hope they continue. We're not interested in the money.
1: (laughs) He was high, right?
0: He said, we're interested in entertaining the public and doing a service. That's what we are for.
1: If that's the case, then why does he have such exorbitant extortion fees for coverage?
0: The BBC also approached Bernie, and and they were in line for this anyway, because I think their contract is through 2018 right now. They approached Bernie to renegotiate the contract. They did it early back in, I think, 2012, they had done a similar thing. They approached him early to re- to renegotiate the contract. This time, he turned them down. Now, Bernie has said, again, back to August, that the continuation of the Sky BBC deal would be good. It works at the moment, so there is no reason why we should change. Sky has done a super job. They have lifted the level, and they have lifted the BBC. Now, that being said, he has turned around and told BBC that he is not interested in renegotiating their deal. And given that the UK is arguably one of if not the biggest market for F1, that's kind of dangerous for them. And this also comes on the heel of um the UK market, Sky TV as part of their coverage has the sky f1 channel that provides some i have no idea what it does i've never seen it but it provides some sort of 24 7 formula one coverage they have announced that they are discontinuing that this year wow yeah this should be sending alarm bells off over at fom and it doesn't sound like it no so my other favorite topic And I mean that sarcastically. Not the tires part, but favorite topic part. Pirelli has come out and they have said, and actually this is an interesting idea. Pirelli says that by re-engineering the tires and rethinking the tires, including the size, that they can find teams four seconds a lot for the 2017 cars. The reason why Paul Hembry says that this is a really big deal is because the teams are trying to find five seconds by re-jiggering the rules for 2017. that means re-engineering the cars
1: but it would be a whole lot cheaper to get four seconds from just a change in the tire
0: exactly paul hembry turns around he says that a cur- this, the current spec car, this, the, the 2015 cars, he's, he's spoken to the teams and they could modify the suspension to accommodate a change in the structure of a tire that they believe would bring four seconds around. And just modifying the structure of the suspension to accommodate those tires would be significantly cheaper than any other design and engineering work that they could do to aero and other pieces to find more time.
1: That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's game-changing, because if they want five seconds faster and four of those seconds are free or almost nearly free, that changes budgeting.
0: What he says, and he, and uh, you know one of the things that they're pushing for, and Pirelli's been pretty big pushing this for the last couple of years, and they've gotten a little more. They're, they're pushing for some tire testing. They really want that. But what Paul Hembry has said, he said... If you want to increase performance we can do that just by the tire size change alone they can probably gain two seconds just the tire size he says if you then give us a proper testing program probably by the tires alone and with a natural evolution of the current car they can deliver four seconds and the teams won't need to do much else like you said cheaper for everybody and cheaper if they helped us do that than for everybody to redesign all the cars he says, now, not only that, but they probably could provide a variety of compounds, maybe some in a direction, as some have suggested, where you can do stints of 15 laps, push as hard as you want, and then you'll hit a cliff and change. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, he's confirmed that uh, some of the teams, or he's, he, he says he has confirmations from some teams that altering a current car to accommodate the wider 17 tires, or 2017 tires, to 300 millimeters in the front and 400 millimeters in the rear would be feasible. In turn, that would allow Pirelli to go testing in 2016 and at least ensure a step is taken towards more dramatic looking cars, even if the planned Aero package has to be delayed. He says, as a minimum, you could just say, change the tire sizes and stick with the current regulations. It then becomes a modification of the suspension
1: one can hope that he could actually pull that off.
0: Yeah. Now, while we're on the subject of tire testing, there will be a post-season tire test in Abu Dhabi. It's be a 12-hour test which um Pirelli's still working out the details as to how that's going to work. However, it has been announced that the teams will not be allowed to do any kind of aero development at that testing. This is strictly a tire test. Interesting. And then the last piece of news,
1: our last story.
0: As we know, there's some vacancies now over at Manor Marussia. Yes, Manor has come out and said that they want um, Alexander Worse mm-hmm. as to to be their new team principal. They have approached Alexander. He is currently, as a, actually. Now that the weekend's over, he's probably not anymore. He was uh, racing in WEC. He This weekend was his last race. He has since retired. He's a former McLaren driver, or, or a former Grand Prix driver, and he is currently the president of the Grand Prix Drivers Association. Okay. Alex has said that while he wants to re- have an involvement in management and in F1, he is not interested in joining Manor. So he has turned them down. He does acknowledge that they have approached him. Some of the other names that have been tossed around include former McLaren team principal Martin Whitmarsh, who just kind of disappeared. Mm -hmm. Martin apparently is involved in the management of one of the America's Cup teams and has said he is not interested in a change and, and in returning to F1 at this time. Okay. So don't know who we're going to have.
1: So Manor are basically going bowling for a team principal.
0: Essentially. Now, Manor has uh, announced that former McLaren member Dave Ryan is their new racing director. So he'll be replacing Ram Loudon.
1: Okay. So they're at least filling some seats.
0: Yeah. But there's still a bit of turmoil over there. It'd be very interesting to find out just what is going on.
1: I don't think we'll ever know.
0: I don't know. So yeah, short show this week, despite all that's going on as we head into the final race of the season, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the Twilight Race. Actually, that's kind of fitting, I guess. As the season goes off into the sunset, the race starts and proceeds right through the sunset into night. True. It's it's one of those neat races from a visual perspective, but that's about really all you can say about it. <laughs> you know, if you're rich and have a lot of money, Abu Dhabi's like a second Monaco. Yeah, it's known for its parties and other stuff. But yeah.
1: Um, however, it is the capping of the in the, the U.S. weekend of food extravaganzas.
0: That's true, yeah. I was trying to figure out where you were going with that.
1: Well, what I was going with that was wishing all of our listeners in the the States a very happy Thanksgiving.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't eat too much, but if you do, you too can veg out in front of the TV and watch the race.
0: But have no fear, we will be recording next week. We will unless something weird happens
1: we may be in a turkey coma
0: it could be so other than that remember you can uh, interact with us post and like and share uh everything that we've got going on over on the facebook page uh also check us out over at the website at theblokinabird.com and uh on that i think we will call it a show <laughs>